and not just ideas being rejected or suggestions or contribution being rejected, but, but a rejection of an idea taken on as a rejection of the person. And the two of those concepts become uh, overlaid and conflated as if they're the same thing. And, and so this person is imagining in a scenario where there's a suggestion made, the suggestion is rejected, and that feeling that comes up is, oh, I've been rejected. In this moment, I as a person have been rejected. In her book, Conversational Intelligence, Judith Glasser wrote, to get to the next level of greatness depends on the quality of our culture, which depends on the quality of our relationships, which depends on the quality of our conversations. Everything happens through conversations. Welcome to Conversations, powered by Quantivos. Hello and welcome to Conversations. I'm Brian Gorman, a Quantivos coach and the host of Conversations. And with me today is Mark Stanifer, another Quantivos coach. Hey, Brian. Good to be here. Thanks for having me. Mark, our topic today is imposter syndrome, identity, mission, and community. Let's start off, if you would, by telling us how all that fits together. Mm, so good question. I know you're familiar with this topic of imposter syndrome, but maybe for those who aren't, a backup and a, a, a simple definition might be beneficial. So like picture that situation where you go into a circumstance event, a meeting, a new group, um, you've just been hired into a, a new environment and that sense of hesitation of speaking up or taking some initiative or or making change, addressing something comes up in you because you feel like uh, maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not qualified, or or I haven't been here long enough to to really have something to say, or what if I don't get it quite right? What will they think of me? These are these are those real scenarios that people experience where they can feel like an imposter in the situation in the in the room sometimes. We can refer to it as, or you've heard the phrase, fake it till you make it, right? Like as that's an antidote to the sense of, I'm not sure I belong here for for whatever reason. So you're not going to find that definition in the dictionary that's way too long, verbose, not succinct enough. But that's that captures the sentiment or the, the feeling of what's behind this, this imposter syndrome. And what's captured that for me is when you go deeper into that, I think what you find is behind the scenes, there's really a fear at work. And we don't really like to use the F word of, of fear, right? Because again, that, that might reveal us as, right, as right. imposters or like we don't have it all figured out. But the reality is there is that fear bubbling under the surface that is it's whispering to us that says, if you don't get it right, if you make a mistake, if you speak up, if you don't speak up, then you will be seen as an imposter. And, and really what has taken new meaning for me over the last couple of years is 
having a deeper insight into just how how pervasive that fear is, how it shows up, and and then ultimately, and I'm, I'm sure we'll get to this in the conversation, being able to move past that fear into a, a place that is is more healthy. But like recognizing how how much of my past was really governed by fear fear based decisions that that I wasn't always even aware of, and then stripping that back to realize oh that's what was in play there whether you call it imposter syndrome or something else that's really what was happening to me and so as i saw the growth and the change in my life it just really captured me in this languaging and in this ability to help others work through this and and get past it uh, themselves through the tool of coaching you talked about the pervasiveness uh, at quantivos we came together around this topic and very specifically around this topic among women leaders and organizations. And uh, at the time we quoted a study, and, and I may have the number slightly wrong, but I know I'm in the ballpark, that uh, KPMG had done, and I, I think it was either 70 or 80 percent of more senior level female executives uh, reported that they have experienced, quote, imposter syndrome in their work lives. And at the time we speculated that the number may well be just as high with males. You know, I certainly know I have coached my share of male managers, leaders around this, but that men tend not, again, the fear of admitting that I have fear about something that I don't feel like maybe I'm the right person for this task probably holds men back from surfacing the topic as easily. We also talked about the stigma that comes with the label, uh, the stigma that comes with saying, I'm going through this syndrome. And so what I really got excited about in terms of our conversation is that you really want to bring a, a very different perspective to this experience that most, if not all of us have had at some point in our professional lives. So for, for me, as a person, as an individual, I don't bristle at the word syndrome. And I think largely because I've seen it in play. Again, whether you call it imposter syndrome or something else, I've seen the effects and I, I, know, I know how it held me back. And so I don't mind admitting that or something like that was, was what I was struggling with. Now that it may be a little bit off-putting for others, but I remember in that conversation, the speculation around male versus female. And, and if I didn't say it exactly this way, I can see myself saying it this way. Guys deal with this too. We just suck at admitting it because we're afraid to admit it. And so we cover that up. And so again, seeing evidence of that in, in my own life uh, gives me that personal experience from which to speak and being able to look back and, and say, okay, that's where I was. This is where I am. And if I can do it, others can, can do it too. And I've seen it in conversations. This is, this is not just a male or female related issue. It, it, it's, a, it's an issue of humanity. And believing the lie of the fear that, that says, if you speak up, if you don't speak up, whatever the situation, then you're going to be seen as less than or you're going to to feel less than and that's really the work that i've enjoyed doing with with people is helping them to see that that's not true fear is a liar in this case and that that's not true and there there is a way around it 
So how do you bring identity, mission, and community into the conversation about imposter syndrome? So I'll answer that question with a reference to a recent conversation. First session with um, a new a new client through Quantivos. And this person is, is talking through their situation, where they are relatively new in a role, wanting to make influence and make impact, wanting to contribute. I'm sure this person has been successful in their past and is part of this coaching engagement because of the potential that leadership sees in this person. And yet there's something that's holding this person back. And the F word actually came up in our conversation. I have fear about speaking up. And so there was a bit of awareness already coming into the conversation. But in that, in that setting, once the door was opened, we sat in what that fear looks like. Well, where's that coming from? What are you afraid of? Well, what would happen if that scenario that you are afraid of happens? And we just, we started to explore down that path of what what it could look like if that were to happen and and what's really behind the fear and ultimately we got we're on the target maybe it's not exactly pinpointed yet but we're on the target of there was a fear of being rejected and not just ideas being rejected or suggestions or contribution being rejected but but a rejection of an idea taken on as a rejection of the person and the two of those concepts become uh, overlaid and conflated as if they're the same thing. And, and so this person is imagining in a scenario where there's a suggestion made, the suggestion is rejected, and that feeling that comes up is, oh, I've been rejected. In this moment, I as a person have been rejected. And the conversation then drifted to, well, what if, what if that's not true? What if there's a separation between the things that you do and the person that you are? What if this model is, is true, that there's the who that you are, call that identity, the things that you do in a professional context, the role, the job, the tasks, your leadership, call that mission, and then the relationships that you have, personal and professional, call that community. What if all three of those are separate and distinct concepts such that you can experience pain, if you will, in the things that you do, such as an idea that gets rejected or a sale that doesn't close or a, a conversation that goes horribly off the rails with a, with a customer? What if you can if experience some of that without it being a personal representation of who you are, your identity? What if your identity is separate and distinct and secure apart from the things that you do, the mission or the, the community that you have, the relationships around you? And when that gets teed up for somebody as a new idea, Often you can see just the, the mental gears start to grind with, oh, this is new information. I've never thought about it this way. I have for so long tied everything that I am into the things that I do or the relationships that I have. What if there is separation and distinction between these three ideas? And Brian, that really opens the door. 
to a deeper conversation of growing awareness. We said this before we started recording, like awareness is the starting point for change. And so just laying out these three concepts as a deeper understanding of the symptom that we call imposter syndrome, what's really going on behind the scenes might be that we've conflated identity with mission or identity with community when in fact they're three separate. And so how do you disentangle that and and move into healthier space? That's the conversation that really starts this off. What if identity, mission, and community are three separate things? I really love that perspective, Mark. You're right. It puts a whole new lens on how I go into situations. If I can be aware that I'm not a coach, the coach is the the mission, if you will. I can feel a lot more comfortable right. coaching. I can feel a lot more comfortable in building that relationship with clients. And I can know that not every question I ask is going to be the most powerful question. If you can go into the... They can't right, exactly. They're not all home runs, right? Um, j- just like in a sales context, you don't close every deal. Uh, just like in a... In a context of leading people, you don't you don't have it go right every time you're in a in a people leader role. But what if you could enter into those conversations, those situations, especially the ones that are likely to create some nerve, some stress, some some amped up energy, you know, whatever that is for you or anybody. What if you could go into those conversations knowing that who you are is not on the line? Like you're not trying to prove that you have value as a person or that you have worth as a person or that your identity, who you are, is secure. You can go into those conversations without that being on the line and then be willing to to risk a little bit more to put yourself out there a little bit more or to navigate through that that difficult situation that inevitably comes up in the things that you do or the relationships you have without it feeling like well this is a personal statement of my my value my worth if boss doesn't say i'm awesome because of my performance that doesn't mean i'm not awesome in who i am it just means I've got opportunity and work to do in my performance. I don't need the boss to tell me I'm awesome in order to recognize that I have value as a person. But if I do need that boss to tell me that I'm awesome, or I do need that next sales hit or deal close or trophy or championship victory, I'm going to continually be chasing those things. And ultimately, I'm never going to be satisfied. Because the next one leads to the next one, leads to the next one, leads to the next one, because I'm always trying to revalidate myself as a person. When you can separate those two, then you can go into the competition, the boardroom, the sales calls, and and perform with as much excellence as you're capable of performing, but knowing that you don't have to get to that next championship, that next trophy, that next close, that next raise in order to validate your worth as a person. 
I know I'm saying a lot. I'm throwing a lot at you. I'll I'll, I'll pause and, and and let you do some of the talking here and respond on, on how this is coming at you. I wish we had this conversation yesterday. I could have used it with the client mm. this morning because it really does bring a, a again a new lens, not just on imposter syndrome. In, in this case, it's a client who knows that he has reached the the final position of his professional life, feels cheated in a way, would like to hear that mm, I'm awesome. Mm. And the good news is we were picking up the conversation again in our next coaching session because you've really given me a, a whole new perspective to work with. How often in your experience do people conflate who they are with what they do? So that's a great question. I'm going to give you a non-scientific, mostly anecdotal answer. It's the rare exception when it doesn't happen. And it may not That's it, my experience. It may not as be well. exactly conflating with what I do as a as a professional, but it could be over-identifying with a with a role, you know? Like my identity is tied up in me being the the most awesome dad that I can be. Or my identity is tied up in all of the volunteer work that I do. Or it is I'm the I'm the number one sales salesperson every quarter, quarter after quarter after quarter. And I, I can't conceive of not ever not ever reaching that. It can take different forms for different folks depending on how they're they're inclined or wired or or how their brain has been been wired and shaped. But it's the rare exception that you find some someone who is who's in that healthy place of saying, I'm going to dive into whatever I do and all the relationships that I have with everything that I've got, knowing full well I don't need that to validate my worth and who I am as a person. It, it's, it's the healthy separation distinction versus the unhealthy conflation where one is needed in order to validate the other. In my work, I do a lot around the metaphor of anchors. And anchors typically are those things, they're, they're below the surface. They give us a sense of security, a sense of control, a sense of predictability, if you will. For a lot of people, that I'm the most awesome dad or I'm the best salesperson quarter after quarter, whatever it is, that becomes mm -hmm. an anchor for them. The way that I talk about anchors is when we want to change, our anchors are holding mm -hmm. us where we are. So we need to lift them up. We need to look, is this an anchor that I still need? Is this the relationship to the anchor that I still need? Do I need to cut that one loose? Do I need to a, a new one? And I'm really seeing what you're talking about in that sense. If I'm going into these situations with, am I really qualified? Am I the right person? Am I going to get this right? There's an anchor there that we need to change, which is that that we're conflating who we are with what we do. Let me offer maybe another spin on your anchor metaphor because I, I like I like where you're going and, and how you present it. And in your in your context, the anchor is the drag that is potentially holding you back from from moving on, moving deeper, moving in a different direction. There's also the the benefit of the anchor that grounds you in the midst of adversity, waves, storm, keeps you from drifting off course or being shattered against the rocks. Here's how I'd like to think of it. 
Think of it like a tree. And in the anchor context for the tree, it's the deep root system where the identity in the root system is grounded and strong and resilient to be able to withstand the, the seasons of weather, the winds, the storms, all, all of that. The roots are deep and strong. And then the trunk represents the, the work that we get to do, the mission, you know, the, the professional work, the personal work, the roles, the, the volunteering, the, the way that we show up and give benefit to the organizations, the groups, the world around us with the things that we do, that represents the trunk. And when the trunk is grounded with that deep root system, the trunk can be healthy and it can, it can flex and bow and bend as it need to, but it, it doesn't break because it's strong and, and thick. And when we have the deep root system and we have the strong trunk, it naturally leads to the plumage or the, the fruit of the tree, which is the, those healthy relationships relationships that we have, where I'm not trying to get my identity needs met by our relationship or your feedback of me, but I'm, I'm attracting health around me because I'm, I'm grounded and, and strong. And so as you were talking about the anchor, I started to think about the metaphor that's more familiar with me, which is that, that tree and, and how this identity, mission, and community just maps onto that image of a tree that, I mean, we're all so familiar with. Does that make sense? Do you, are you tracking with me? I am. It makes perfectly good sense. And it, it brings to mind a, a, another podcast that I have recorded with another of our coaches around inclusive leadership. She brings up in that conversation the importance of emotional intelligence, the importance of self-awareness and reflection. And, and I see that importance again in this conversation that we're having because I may have those roots, I may have that trunk, but if I'm not aware that I have that, then I'm at risk. Yeah, and, it, and if you're going out to try to attract that healthy community or, or have those healthy relationships, but you're not grounded into a trunk or you're not grounded deep into a root system, then you're at risk. You're at risk of being toppled over just from the winds of life, the stresses that come. And so whether you think of it as an anchor or as a tree, the, both of them have, have benefits in uh, helping to just reinforce this idea in, in one's mind. Mark, I think we could continue this conversation for quite a while. It's about time to wrap it up. Imposter syndrome, identity, mission, community, what final words might you have for our listeners? Yeah, I think maybe just circling back, Brian, to where we started, that what if who you are as you go into these new situations or these challenging situations or just any situation that you experience? What if who you are is not on the line? What if you don't have to try to prove something about your worth and value, or you don't have to hide from fully showing up in the awesomeness of who you are, if you will? What if you don't have to prove or hide because who you are is not on the line? What if your identity, your mission, and your community are all separate ideas. And let that awareness just capture you, percolate, reflect on that. Notice maybe in the past where you've gone into situations and you've recognized or maybe not even recognized fear. Again, back to some emotional intelligence in play here. But let that idea just marinate with, with you for a while and reflect on what if, what if that's true 
what if who you were wasn't on the line? How would you show up differently? What would you be more willing to risk or how much more generous in the fullness of who you are would you be if you knew that who you are wasn't on the line? Mark Steinefer, thank you for this conversation. Brian, it's been my pleasure. Thank you. 